Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. Really appreciated and enjoyed um, Guppy's uh, poem and dance. I thought they were, they were amazing. And, and as I listened just now to that video, as I heard it earlier in the week, uh, the last guy who was on there, Mike Janae, made a comment that just has stuck with me. He, he said, God cries for them. God cries for them. And, and I want to tell you, that's not theological drivel or mush. Um, Jesus told us that when we see him, we see the Father, that he only does his Father's will. And in the Gospel of John, we read about a time that, that Jesus arrived in a town called Bethany four days after his good friend Lazarus had died. Jesus could have gotten there sooner. He, he says so. Scripture records that. And um, yet he tells his disciples that they are delaying so that the Son of God may be glorified through it is what he says. And so he arrives, and, and Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha, are, are so sad. They're weeping. They believe that Jesus could have saved Lazarus from death had he arrived sooner. Jesus comes to this knowing all the whole time that he is going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He knows this is not a mystery to him. It's not a surprise. He knows what he's going to do. He knows that Lazarus is going to be okay. And yet we read here in Luke cha John chapter 11, verse 33, when Jesus saw Mary weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And then we come to what is the shortest verse in all of Scripture, John eleven thirty five, And yet, even in its two words, it is one of the most profound. It simply says, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. And those two words, because Jesus shows us the Father, we get this amazing picture of our God, that God cries for them. God cries for us. It's not a cry of powerlessness or hopelessness because he's all-powerful. It's a cry of compassion of sadness for us and the, and the hurts and struggles that we face in life. For, for many of us in here already who have faced more than we ever thought we would have to face in life. And yet at the same time, it, it is probably also a cry of anger, of the destructiveness of sin and death and what it does to those we love and care about. Jesus wept. In Matthew 9, it says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I could have gone to several other verses that, that say similar things. When we understand that Jesus loves every single person, not just in the church, 
not just in our community, when he loves, we understand he loves every single person on this planet because he created every single person, every one of us. Then we start to understand what the magnitude of what Jesus shows us, which leads to our, our key question today as a part of this, this series, this Believe series. How does God then see the poor? How does God see injustice? Scripture has a lot to say about this. Deuteronomy 10, the Lord your God defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. Psalm 12, because the poor are plundered and the needy grown, I will now arise, says the Lord. I will protect them from those who malign them. Psalm 146, the Lord protects the foreigners among us. He cares for the orphans and widows, but he frustrates the plan of the wicked. Isaiah 25, you have been a refuge for the poor, a refuge for the needy in his distress, a shelter from the storm and a shade from the heat. And again, much more scripture that talks about God's concern his very nature is to be compassionate. Compassionate, not just to, to some people, but to every single person. And especially, Scripture shows us, especially to those who are on the margins, the least, the last, the lost, those who, who have little, those who have been mistreated, those who have been taken advantage of. Much as Guppy's poem pointed to. Psalm 86 says, but you, O Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. In 2 Corinthians, it says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. And God calls us to this, to have this love, this concern, this compassion for others, that it's not just simply about me, that we are called to have it and to live it. And our key verse comes from Psalm 82, it says, defend the weak and the fatherless, uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed, rescue the weak and the needy, deliver them from the hand of the wicked. There, there, there are four imperatives in there that are spoken to God's people. Defend, uphold, rescue, deliver. In Colossians, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Peter writes, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Compassion, compassion being compassionate is more than 
an intellectual understanding. It's more than just seeing that somebody is hurting or there's some, the, some struggle. The, the, the word compassion in the original language really is much more visceral. The word compassion literally means to suffer with another in the original languages in which it was then translated into English in our Bible. To, to suffer with, not just to observe, not just to recognize but to enter in, the word's origin actually is also related to the gut or the, the digestive system. That this compassion leads us to feel something, to see something hurting, someone hurting, to see something going through. It doesn't just bother us. It gets to us to the point that we feel it in our gut. It, it gets us where we, we get riled up, where, where it hurts on the inside, just as Jesus wept, even though he knew that Lazarus would be raised, the, the anguish, the hurt, he felt it and it led him to weep. And so our key idea this week as we go through, as we, as we look in this series of believe is this, I believe God calls all Christians to show compassion to people in need. Now, remember, if you've been with us as we've been going through this series, we've been digging into key beliefs of the Christian faith because we have been reaffirming that our beliefs have consequences. They actually affect the choices and the decisions that you and I make. We've seen as we began this series that there is one true God who desires a relationship with each and every one of us and has offered us, therefore, salvation from sin and death through his son, Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches us this, and in fact, the Bible is our authority for knowing God and his will for our lives. And it teaches us that through Jesus, God has adopted each of us who has accepted Jesus Christ into our lives to be sons and daughters of God, to be his children, to make up his church called to share this good news with everyone because God loves everyone, every single person. And if we do believe this, then, then having compassion and caring for others grows out of God's desire for you and me to love every person, every one, as he does. This compassion is more than an intellectual exercise. It's something that God calls you and me to experience at our, at our gut level, to, to be with someone in their suffering, to enter into the suffering of another. In your groups this week, those of you who are in the groups or uh, even in the readings, uh, that, that all of you can have this book. If you don't have the book, by the way, it's still not too late out at our, our uh, next steps that you can get that. The, the story they're going to look at is the story of the Good Samaritan, which, which shows this so clearly uh, of someone who had every reason not to care about someone of another race who was always hard on this person's race. And yet he stops and helps in the book of Job is another incredible story. The whole book is an amazing story, uh, a series of incidents 
in which Job loses his, his, most of his family and his wealth and even his health. And yet we look at the book of Job sometimes, and I get kind of nervous sometimes when we quote from the book of Job because once you get past chapter 2, a lot of what happens there is Job trying to, uh, other people trying to say what they think he's done wrong, and Job trying to rationalize or justify that he hasn't done anything wrong. And sometimes we kind of lift quotes up out of that, when they don't fit always the context. But here at the beginning of Job in chapter 2, there is something that really does apply universally. It says, beginning in verse 11, when three of Job's friends heard of the tragedy he had suffered, they got together and, and they traveled from their homes to comfort and console him. Their names were Eliphaz, the Temanite, Bildad, the Shuite, and Zophar, the Naamathite. When they saw Job from a distance, they scarcely recognized him. Wailing loudly, they tore their robes and threw dust into the hair over their heads to show their grief. This was a, a cultural uh, way of showing grief in the Middle East then, and yet some of that still holds on even to today. It says, then they sat down on the ground with him for seven days and nights. No one said a word to Job, for they saw that his suffering was too great for words. They just suffered alongside their friend. And the Bible shows that it was only after, in fact, they tried to explain to Job what he was doing wrong when they tried to make sense of it, when they tried to, to talk him through it, that they became a problem. Sometimes being there is the, is the best act of compassion that you and I can offer another soul. Just being there. Not trying to figure it out. Not trying to explain it. You know, sometimes when someone is, is going through something hard, when they, maybe they've lost a loved one, they've been fired at work, their kid is hurting or sick, it's hard. And, and I, I mean, I'm just going to tell you, as a, as a pastor, I struggle sometimes figuring out what to do. I remember when, when I first was feeling called to ministry, one of my concerns that ran through my head was, could I do a funeral? Could I go and talk with someone who has lost a loved one? Because it seemed so overwhelming to me, the emotions, the, the hurt, the struggle, that it, it, I, I felt overwhelmed by the prospect of that. And I know not everybody feels that way, but some do. And in fact, I still struggle with that. Because I, I get into that situation and I see something wrong and I want it to be good. I want to fix it. I want to make it right. I want to say the right thing. And suddenly everybody says, ha ha, you know, the flowers bloom and, and, the, and, and the trumpets sound. And it was just the perfect thing. And, and even today, I still, that, that feeling runs through me. It's, and, and I still get, not, not butterflies, but I still get this, this wonder if I have anything to say, anything to offer because I, I continue having this sense in me there's nothing I can do. I want to fix it. I want to make it better. 
I, I want to take away the hurt. I want to take away the suffering. I, I, wanna, I want them to be physically healed. I, I, all those things I want to happen. And I can't. But I can sit there with them. I can cry with them. I mean, Job's friends got this part right. Sometimes just being there, showing compassion, hurting with them, even crying with that person, as Jesus did, it was, is all we can do. And yet there is something strangely comforting for the one who is hurting. A dad called out into the neighborhood for his daughter to come home for dinner. It was getting up into the evening, and she'd been out for a while with some friends, and uh, she didn't come. So he called again and, and, and called again and called again, and after several minutes, he was starting to get a little both angry and nervous, uh, wondering what might have been happening when he spied her walking down the street, coming down the sidewalk, headed to their house. As soon as she got close where she could, she could hear him, he said, where have you been? Well, I, 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 was, I was at Kelly's house. Didn't you hear me calling? I mean, I, I've been calling you for, for 10 minutes. Yeah, I, I heard you, Daddy. I'm, I'm sorry. Why didn't you come when I first called? Well, you see, Kelly, Kelly broke her doll, and I was just crying with her. I was just crying. And sometimes that's all any of us really can do. And it feels so inadequate. It feels like it's not enough. It feels like we ought to have an answer, especially if you're a follower of Christ. Do you think I ought to be able to come up with some pithy scripture at that moment? I ought to, I ought to be able to do something that, that makes them laugh or smile. But if we're compassionate, we enter into the suffering with them. Because here's the thing, for reasons that we will not always understand in this life, God does not take away all our struggles. God does not heal every person physically in this life. God does not make every relationship go right, even if we pray over it. Not because he doesn't care or he doesn't want that, but because we have free will, because there, are, there, there is sin at work in this world for so many reasons that we cannot even begin to describing yet when those things happen, when we are so concerned, when it, when it bites us and, and we are just struggling with it, we begin to wonder, does God care? Does God hear me? Does, God, does this, any of this even matter to him? And yet his promise throughout scripture is that he is a compassionate God. He is a loving God. He has compassion for our hurts and struggles. And in fact, in the midst of those things, he is with us. Isaiah 41.10, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Jeremiah 1.19, they will fight against you, but will not overcome you, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. And even Jesus, his last words here on earth, 
He said, I am with you always, always to the end of the age. Here we are just weeks out from Easter. It may sound kind of funny to mention Christmas, but, but a big part of the message of Christmas is Emmanuel, which means God with us. When you and I take the presence of God with us into the hurt, into the pain, into the struggle of another, we are bringing the living presence of God into that setting. And it's not that God's not already there, but sometimes you and I can help another person see. Sometimes we can help them experience God's presence. We can help them find the value and power of knowing that God is with them. Not in trite, cute little statements. Sometimes we just want to, we want to rattle off things like they ought to get it when in the midst of their pain and their hurt and their misery and their struggle, we don't want Job's friends necessarily explaining it all. We just want to know we're not alone. We, don't, we want to know that there's a minute that will come after this minute, that there's some hope. And when we do live out our that compassion of God for others in our lives. Jesus tells us something even more profound happens than we can even, we can even know. In one of his parables, Jesus says, the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the, from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I, I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was, I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or, or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or, or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or, or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Somehow, Jesus is so there that our acts of compassion touch the heart of Jesus. When we live with compassion for those around us, when we allow God to use us to assure another person that, that God cares, that God is with them, that we care, that we're just with them. We, we can have such an impact on, on life and even begin to fulfill part of the purpose of why we're here. So we have to ask ourselves then, what difference does all this make in how I live my life? Another story that comes out of the Bible very early in the Bible is uh, the first two sons of Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel. You find the story in Genesis chapter 4, out of jealousy, Cain murders his brother Abel. And one of the most quoted lines uh, from that, that 
early part of Scripture that, that many people use sometimes. Um, then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother, Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? I mean, you can just hear almost an indignation in that. Do I have some responsibility? Now, yes, he was lying, but sometimes we love to quote that line ourselves. Am I responsible for someone else? Aren't they on their own? I mean, why do I have to do something? And God's implicit answer then and his explicit answer all through Scripture is, yes, you are your brother's keeper. We are our brother's keepers. We are called to love our neighbor, to show them compassion because God loves them. God cares about them. And God has shown you and me enormous love and compassion. So what does this mean? First, think about this. Love is a verb, meaning action. So, so love is always tangible. And, and out of then compassion for a person being separated from God, we can offer people around us the good news of Jesus Christ. It, it, it can be simply answering their questions. It can be talking with them, listening with them. Our, part of our goal in this belief study is to give each one of us a better grounding in the, the basics of the Christian faith so that we don't feel as ill-prepared Ill but think, if, if God, God loves them and, and hates to see what, what sin and evil are doing in their lives, the damage, the destruction, the lack of hope, then if we can be the hands and feet of voice of Christ to bring the good news that opens the door for eternity, we are we are being as compassionate as anybody can be. It, it may be talking about how Christ has come into our life and the difference he's made. It's certainly praying for them. It, it may be in, in the right setting, inviting them to our small group or to our church or to some future conversations. For, for Easter, people are often open to it. And we have cards that you can take, as Brandon talked about earlier, or you can use them to make a more creative way as an act of compassion that to look upon someone that does not have Christ in their life. Not pity, but compassion to offer them the hope of the world. But offering Christ without actually caring for the person, it won't go very far. I mean, it just looks like you're a tool to, for them to be used. Someone has said, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So anytime we're doing these things, it's done in the context of seeking to build relationships and encourage and love as we have been loved. Next, often like Job's friends, the best thing we can do is simply be there with people who are struggling or who are hurting to just come alongside them, not to necessarily have any answers, not necessarily to try to fix it or to, to begin to tell them what they should do, but just to cry with them. The power of presence is amazing, and sometimes we do not realize it until we are on the receiving end. 
we've been on the receiving end, often we know nobody can fix what I'm going through. But my goodness, how wonderful it is to know I'm not alone. Next, we can look for ways to be the hands and feet and, and voice of Christ to another. Maybe it's take them a meal. Maybe it's watch their kids for a while. Maybe it's to run an errand for them. Maybe it's looking at the needs and hurts in our community and seeing how God can use me or us or our group as the hands and feet of Christ to make a difference. As many of you did in All Out Serve, where you, you, you didn't wait for us to tell you something to do. You just looked at what, what was going on around you, and you made that decision. In James 2, it says, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, Goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm. Eat well. You know, take care of yourself but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It's dead. It's useless. How can we, how can we show compassion and yet at the same time not take away a person's dignity, not do something that they themselves need to be doing, that they should be doing, and yet still be there for them? This means sometimes compassion is not just handing out food or clothing, although in many cases it is. Compassion makes a difference, and there is always some cost to compassion. It, it, it may be money, but sometimes money is the easy way out. Money is the easiest thing we can do to help someone. What God really wants for us to do is not to give simply our money, but our time to enter into their suffering to do what you can do. And so many of you did that with our all-out serve. I, I just this morning, I read an email and saw some pictures of, of some of you had a neighbor and they were in their 90s and they had not been able to clean out the gutters on their roof. And so you had pictures of some of you up on ladders and you were scooping out and you were spraying and cleaning out the gutters. I'm sure it's not something that took a long time, but it was something that their neighbors couldn't do. It was as simple as that. We, we think sometimes it's got to be, the church has to, to organize it all together. And sometimes we do. But you're living your life 24-7. You're up here at the church one or two hours, three hours a week. Where the Christian faith gets left out, quite honestly, is not here. This is the easy place. You're amongst, you're amongst family. We're all in this together. Where it gets lived out is out there where you work, in your school, on your sports team, with your coworkers, with your neighbors. And it's in those places that compassion matters. Because finally what we realize is, while I can't do everything, I really can do something. Each one of us. If I can't get out of my house, I can bake cookies. I can pray. If I have an hour to give, maybe it's just rake some leaves. 
truth of the matter is, a lot of times we kind of in the church, and, and I think we pastors kind of did this to ourselves several decades ago. Pastors, sometimes we're, we're, we can be people who we like to be needed, as many of us are, but that's not all healthy. And so sometimes we say, we kind of want it to be, you, you kind of have to wait on us till we figure out what to do next. And we, what we've done is we've kind of shot Christianity in the foot. Because Christianity is not dependent on pastors. Pastors are a part of equipping the saints for the saints, the people of God, to do the work of God wherever they are. And so what happens is when we end up doing it, you become dependent on us and you don't think you can do anything without us. The problem is in a church like ours, there's a handful of pastors and there's a a few thousand of you. And it doesn't work really well if you're dependent on us. Here, here's kind of a good example. Watch. I mean, you, you, you go to church, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I do. Yeah. So, what, what are your thoughts on, on God and church and heaven and stuff? All great questions. Just um, it's it needs to be answered. Pretty deep question for out on the lawn this morning. I do have a lot of thoughts on that particular issue. Sam, you rang. Pastor Mike, what took you so long? He was just asking me kind of what I believe. Ah, gotcha. I'll take it from here. Thanks. See you guys. Okay. Well, first of all, Sam believes the Bible's the inspired, infallible Word of God. Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross as a a propitiation. I'm sure your dad's going to start coming to the games. You know? Once the divorce is funny, things get better. Pastor. Can I, can I get a minute? Uh, not really. I'm, I'm babysitting. I've got some groceries to deliver and bill. And That's great. For- Look, hey, Jack over here needs somebody to show him the love of Christ. Dad's a real jerk. You know, you've got the counseling background. We got tickets to a gang. We are late. Maybe just a round of catch to show him, hey, somebody cares. Yeah, well, you know, see you Sunday. It's okay. It's okay. Hey, buddy. Yeah, I'm feeling okay, but the place is falling apart. I just don't know what to do. Every last dollar goes to the doctor. What can be done? Uh, well, I don't, I don't know. That's, that sounds really sad. Somebody need a minister? Oh, pastor. Great. Um, she can't take care of her house. There's got to be something someone can do for her, right? You mean help her out? Uh, meet her needs? That's a great idea. Why did I think of that? <laughs> don't know. I, you know, I just did preach a 16-week series on showing love in practical ways. Oh, yeah. Hey, great series. Good luck, huh? <laughs> Actually, I was just helping an older woman walk across the street. I left her in the median. Hi. I'm trying to destroy those little beepers wherever I found them, all right? If you get one, it ain't going to work. <laughs> uh, we're not going to fetch. But, but, you know, I look at that, and yeah, it, 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 it makes a good point, but I also, the, the very first place where a guy, a neighbor is talking to his friend and about, about God, and, and as soon as the pastor walks up, I mean, he doesn't want to talk to the pastor. He doesn't know him. He, doesn't, he, he has no connection with him, but he knows his friend. He knows his neighbor. And his neighbor doesn't even have to have all the right answers or figure it all out or explain everything in that minute. He can do so much more. He can be so much more effective 
than the pastor on call. You can be so much more effective. You're right where you need to be. You're exactly where God has already placed you to be a missionary. To be his hands, his feet, his voice. It's why God calls you and me to be compassionate to those around us right where we are. It, it would be a mistake if you thought it was up to the pastors or the staff. I mean, I realized several years ago, I mean, because we like doing it, and we, some, like I said, and sometimes we like the accolades or whatever, we, we start trying to do some of that stuff. And what we do is we, we prevent you from doing some of the ministry God has created you to do because it becomes easier to let somebody else do it. it. Oh, she'll do it better than me, or they've got more time than I do, or that's what we pay them for. And what we've done is we have robbed you of the opportunity to be like Christ. The opportunity to grow more like Christ. The opportunity to be compassionate hands and feet to those around you. That's one of the things I loved about, again, All Out Serve, is you figured out things to do. Each group figured it out. Each person did it right where they were. And we can, we can certainly express compassion as a church with certain big projects, things like Starfish Kenya or Mercy Tree or Generation One. But, but more importantly, each one of us can be little Christs right where we are, being compassionate as we each see opportunities around us to be the hands and feet of Christ. Compassion comes from the heart of God. A gift, though, that he has given to us, those he loves, who have responded to his gift of Jesus Christ, to follow him, to do the, the least to do this to the least of these, my brothers and sisters. We have that opportunity, that privilege. Compassion is a part of, of God's very nature. But as, as Mike Janae said in, in that opening video, God cries for them. And, and so can we. We are our brother's keepers. We can come alongside. We can enter into their suffering and not feel like we have to have all the answers or fix it or take care of everything, we can be there. And I would even say sometimes, and I'm guilty of this, I'll go through Facebook and someone's going through something and I click a like or whatever. Sometimes it even takes more than what we can do in social media. We have that opportunity. We have that privilege together as the people of God. Our prayer team's gonna be down here in just a minute if you wanna talk with any of them. If you wanna learn more about being baptized in a couple of weeks, we wanna make it a big deal as a part of our Believe celebration right after this service down in the Life Center. Uh, they'll have a class about that and you or someone you know, if that's something you need to do, I, I hope you will go and be a part of that. What a great way to celebrate. If you're uh, visiting with us today, we're so glad you're here. And I'm going to be out here in our First Steps area with a few friends. And we'd love to say hello to you. If you want to check on next steps of what you can do to continue in your journey or to serve or live out your compassion through the church uh, out in our Next Steps area, they would love to help you. Would you join me? Let's close in prayer. God, thank you for loving us so much. Coming into our lives 
as Emmanuel, God with us. And, and, and giving us a model of how we can walk alongside others in, in compassion and, and love for them. Father, I confess, sometimes it, it feels, feels so inadequate. It feels like there's nothing we can do. It feels like why would just me being there have, have any value? And maybe it doesn't always. But more times than we know, Father, you show us that, that just the gift of our presence, the gift of being there, is a gift of compassion. Whatever it takes, Father, however we can love our neighbors, however we can be compassionate, however we can, we can suffer, join in their suffering, help us to do that. Yes, it's hard, Father. Yes, there's a cost to it. Yes, it hurts sometimes. But it's also how you put flesh and blood onto your arms today. It's how we are, the body and blood of Christ, the hands, the feet, the voice. Help us to do that today, Father. Help us to be our brother's keeper. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Go out there and make a difference. To learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.